Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Podcast. I am James Ham, your host here at the practice facility for the Sacramento Kings. I'm with Quincy AC. What's going on? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How was practice today? You guys had an emotional loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. Not a good thing. You guys know that. How did practice kind of work out today? Uh, we had a great practice today, actually. Uh, we got after it. We competed. Uh, coach got into us, made us, you know, held us accountable. Uh, you know, players were, you know, holding each other accountable, getting everybody going. And, uh, you know, I think we, we, got, we definitely got better today. And, uh, you know, I think we worked on a lot of our weaknesses that showed in that game. You know, Coach was harsh in the post-game press conference. I don't know if the players saw it, but, I mean, he called this team soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said you guys were undisciplined, that you guys weren't giving it at your all. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you saw in the game, you know, on Wednesday against 76ers? Uh, definitely. I mean, the way that we played that game, it, we showed characteristics of, of all those. You know, we, we were horrible in transition. We were, we were horrible with uh, scout, like, you know, as far as um, – Knowing players' weaknesses, we knew it, but we didn't take them away. You know, we uh, we just kind of played flat, kind of played lazy, and uh, we got our butts kicked because of it. So. Defensively, you guys have struggled all season long. You have a switching mentality. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different scheme. Are you guys still trying to figure out who and where and what and how you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be next and when you're supposed to switch and all that? Well, we have the schemes. Uh, the schemes are, are are good, but you know, a lot of the times. We don't talk. We don't. We don't talk it out. We don't. Uh, we don't. That's the main thing. We don't talk, and that's that's gonna cause confusion. We might bring two to the ball, give up a layup, give up a three, and uh, I mean we have the scheme. We know what to do, but we don't talk it out. And you can't get anywhere without communication. So, uh, you know, we worked we worked a lot on that today. You know, guys were, were were really getting after it and really talking, and it was a good practice. Are your teammates receptive to all of this? Are they buying in fully? Do they understand what's at stake and, and sort of what they need to do to get better? Yeah, I think so. You know, and it started with Rondo, started with Cuz. And uh, Rondo gets Cuz going. Cuz is an emotional guy. He loves to play. But Rondo gets him going, gets him talking on defense, get us get us all going. And, uh, you know, Rondo was real good at practice today, and as well as Cuz. So, uh, you know, we really got after it. And uh, guys know what's at stake. Now, this is your second time around in Sacramento. You've seen Cousins, you know, the first time and now. Has he grown as a leader, as a player in, in your time being away from the team? He, he has matured. You know, he there's a couple times where I can see him about to lose it. And, you know, we, we come and talk to him, and, you know, he comes down for a little bit. Uh, it helps to have Rondo. I know we always mention a lot about Rondo, but he has a lot of better guys around him. Rondo, Karan, guys just talking to him and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to just – Take him under that wing, and that, that's helped a lot. But you know, I mean, he's about seven years in. He, he needed that whenever it was his first couple of years. You know, he needed good veterans, and um, he, he's maturing. It's just taking some time. You know, I mean, he's a good player. He's so passionate. I think sometimes people get that mixed up, mixed, get his passion mixed up with anger, and uh, he's just passionate about the game. So you know, he, he has a lot to learn. Though he does have to get has, have to get better at controlling his emotions, and uh, you know, when he does, the sky's the limit for him. You need to get a smile on his face every once in a while. Maybe that would help. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's a smiling guy. He's, he smiles off the court all the time. You know, he's a very playful guy, very funny guy. But, you know, on the court, he is very passionate. You know, that's that's one thing that I've learned. He, he is re- very very passionate about the game, and he, he gives his all every time I'm on the game, on the court. I'd rather have that than a guy that's out there that's full of talent and don't care. You know, that, you know, I, I would I would rather have that. So I think we could work work with him to get him to calm down and control his emotions rather than trying to get him to come to play every day. Now you're a quiet guy in the locker room. You're a quiet guy. It seems like on the court, but 
Your celebrations have been epic this year. I know <laughs> Kings fans love them. Everyone loves them. Uh, do you think about it beforehand, or is it just like you just like uh, in the moment? Uh, no, definitely in the moment. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't plan to plan ahead uh, to for my reactions on the bench. Uh, but it's definitely in the heat of the moment, and uh, you know, me, it's me, James, Perron, Seth, Emo. We all call ourselves a bench mob. So you know, we're trying to trying to get that going, trying to bring the energy on the bench. And uh, whenever we get in the game, one of us gets in the game, we you know tell the other to hold it down for the bench mob when they get out there. So you know, we we really just trying to build a, a, a team atmosphere and uh, have let everybody know that everybody has each other's back. And it's you know, it's fun. You gotta have fun. Now, you are probably the most fierce dunker in the league. When you do dunk, I, I mean, I'm worried for the rim at some point. Have you ever broken a hand, done something, I mean, hurt yourself on one of these dunks? Uh, I, I got I get bruises and stuff all the, all the time. You know, I, I, every, everything from dunking, I done got used to it. You know, it's, you can't have no soft hands if you're trying to go up there and dunk. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I've got used to it. Okay, I, the first time you were around, I remember you had your young son around all the time. Mm-hmm. How is family life? How is the transition back to Sacramento and everything uh, going for you and, and your loved ones? It's going great. Uh, you know, me and my girlfriend, we're out here. We're moving along well. Uh, we got a dog out here. My son comes to visit for about a week at a time every month. You know, he, he's starting transitional kindergarten or pre-K or whatever, so it's yeah. hard. It's harder for him to, you know, get out of miss school. So, you know, it's shorter, shorter times for him to come visit. But when he does, you know, it's, it's always fun and it's always great, you know, just to have having that family atmosphere. And all my family just left actually early this morning. You know, my mom, my grandmother, sister and brother, they were out here, as well as my girlfriend's uh, mother and sister. So, you know, it was great having all our family in, in town. And that's, that's my main thing, you know, God and family. Family is real big in my life. Okay, I'm gonna. I don't want to keep you all day. I know you're a busy man. You got You got to go to dunking and, <laughs> and tearing down rims and stuff. Uh, explain the beard. Mm-hmm. Why the beard? Uh-huh. Does it have some meaning to you? Are you just gonna let it keep going? What is? What's the plan? Uh, so I had it a little bit in, in college. You know, I really had it in, in in high school, but my high school did not allow us to have facial hair. So I had it in the summers, but I had to cut it whenever school started. So then when I got to college, I, I, I had it, you know, switched up the style or whatever. And then I started going bald my senior year. So right before I worked out for the Knicks in pre-draft, I was staring in the mirror and I just decided to go bald. And from that point on, I said I just let my beard just keep growing. At that point, it was kind of shorter, probably along DeMarcus lines, you know, not, not too thick, not long at all, you know, but not too small. And from there, I just started letting it grow. And... Yeah. I've never seen myself with a bald head and, and no facial hair, so I might try that at the beginning of the summer to see how it goes. Were you one of those like sixth graders with a beard? I, I started getting facial hair at 13. I had, I remember having chin hairs. I always had a mustache. But I started getting chin hairs at 13. Oh man! <laughs> All right, so this team can recover. Yes. Definitely. We had the talent. You know, we got the guys. Uh, we got the coaching. Uh, getting Willie back is definitely going to help. You know, that, he's another energetic guy that provides rim protection and defense and, and energy so you know that's gonna help having him back and uh, you know I think I think we definitely had a talent. We got we got good leaders and I think guys want to get to the playoffs and see how close we are. So you know I think the it's light at the end of the tunnel. All right, that's Quincy AC, Sacramento Kings forward. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you sir. Have a good one. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski, NBC Sports. AB, what's going on? Uh, just hanging out here with a construction crew working on the building next door. If you hear the sweet sounds of mariachi music, there's a wonderful singer who actually doubles as the leader of this crew that's working on this building over here. You know, it's loud. It's a little bit irritating, but it's beautiful, so we're going to roll with it. It sounds like you have Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen out in your in your backyard. <laughs> this crew is really amazing. They're working on this building. There's like eight of them. They're the fastest workers I've ever seen. They're loud as all get out. But yeah, the, the leader, he like yells at them and orders them into position, and then he starts singing in this opera, uh, operatic voice, and it, it's something to behold. It's like YMCA going on over there. What that? I'm like the village people. Is that what's happening at Aaron Broski's house? No, no. It's more like mariachi, man. Well, it, you know what I would do? I would just throw a big holiday party and not invite, not bring out a radio or anything else. Not invite like a, a 
an alternative band to to these guys and i would just have them be your your live you know your live musicians i, I was thinking about bringing a bucket of beer over there to see if they would be quiet <laughs> but i don't think that's happening no and you don't want anyone falling on the work on on the job and, and, no. and getting injured and getting injured all right so let's get to this we've got chaos Chaos, chaos, chaos. Um, I I think I pretty much heard George Carl say his team ha- was soft. Uh, they play with no pride. Uh, they're inconsistent. Um, there's more. Uh, the list was long of you know of things that that his team is doing, and he just put it all out there. Uh, he said they don't play like men. Yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, um, that was to me. That was the crescendo of the coral uh, laying into his team, and I'm, I don't. I, we could go a million directions, so I'll let you steer. Um, just so much happened last night. Okay, so much so, is happening in general. Yeah, yeah. So let's just let's just start with the basics. The Kings lose one ten to one hundred five to the Philadelphia seventy sixers. The now three and thirty one Philadelphia seventy sixers. I'm going to get this out of the way quickly, and I'm not going to uh, drag it too much into the conversation, but Ish Smith has actually improved that team greatly. They are 2-3 and three over the last—I mean, 2-1 and one over the last three games. They are playing better. They are athletic. They do have some talent. They play really, really hard, uh, but you can't lose that game, especially after dropping a, a rough one to Portland on, Sat- on Sunday and then a— uh, a meltdown on Monday in Golden State. You cannot lose that game. And now the Kings are in really in such a bad place. I don't know where they go from here. So that's where we're at. George Carl's press conference following the game was rough. The players in the locker room were rough and not wanting to talk about anything that George Carl had talked about, which was very, very obvious, uh, very interesting dynamic going on with this team but i guess that's where we start let's what what do you think george carl's footing is with this team and i guess more than the team with the franchise at this point okay i'm gonna i'll I'll touch that in a second real quick on ish smith the guys in new orleans got a real close look at them and i'm i'm close with a bunch of them out there they can tell you that ish smith is you know maybe at his peak going to be a low-end starter in this league and he's in a situation in Philly where he has all the rope in the world right now. Um, he's got the support of management. That's why he's playing with so much confidence right right there. But, you know, he's not an all-star. He shouldn't have done what he did last night to the Kings. No, and that's what George Carl said coming into the game. Hey, Smith is a, a nice, you know, young player, but he's not a frontline anything. He He's just a guy who's, you know, in a position, and he, he like you said, has support. I mean, George Carl talked about in pregame the exact same thing. Like, look, this isn't, you know, a guy that we should be scheming for. This is a really quick guy, but he's not a guy we should be scheming for. Right. But to, to Carl, to the point on Carl, you know, this was the question of the night and pinging around with various sources around the Kings. This, I was really actually kind of surprised and, and taken back a little bit with how much support I, I came away thinking that Carl had. Uh, first of all, as of right now, his job's not in jeopardy. Uh, I feel like that could change at any point in time, um, just depending on which thing happens. Um, does, you know, does Carl step into a landmine? Does DeMarcus Cousins step into a landmine to the team? <laughs> you know, does Vivek wake up one day and, and say, you know what, I'm done with all this? There, there's a lot of different ways that this could spin. But a couple things that uh, have stood out is that I, I, in all these conversations with all these people, it feels like Vlade Divac is on board with what he's doing systemically. And that's why George Carl continues to do what is just now into the, the obvious stage, you know, of a plan that's not working. And it, it, the feedback I'm getting is that they feel like they are not giving maximum effort. The team is not giving maximum effort and not giving this system a chance to work. So it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing there. Um, the other thing you're seeing is is voices around the team, you know, have have not really pointed out that, that the system has a problem here when it's obvious to anybody that's not really connected with the team that there's systemic issues on both sides of the ball 
and that Rajon Rondo is not playing anywhere near as well as management would like to think he is. And so when you, when you add all these things up, you, you sense a little bit more support for Carl than you would think in this situation. And it's interesting because now it's on, it's on the team to turn it around and it's on management and ownership to either follow through in their support of Carl or what I think they should do is have a frank conversation about the systems that they're running and how much influence they're allowing Rajon Rondo to have on this team. Because when Rajon Rondo runs this team, it doesn't look good. He's had a handful of moments where it has looked good. And the system is broken. It's, it's not debatable. It, it needs to change. When DeMarcus Cousins touches the ball on the perimeter, it never goes well. When he's not placed into a position of comfort on the post or 18 feet away, it doesn't go well. Uh, these these wild pick and rolls to the hoop, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, you know, with him and Rajon Rondo. So the takeaway here is it feels like Vlade and maybe even Vivek are bought in on this system and they haven't been willing to change it. And now it's all come to a head within a matter of a week. And now we're going to see who blinks and, and, and what direction do they blink? What direction do they go after they blink? Because something has to change. That, that much is for sure. And fans are going crazy out there. 50, 50% of them want, want to Marcus Cousins traded. 50% of them want him to stay. And I bet you that number dwindles with every loss. Okay, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and I'm going to counterpoint a couple of these, these points. Um, I don't know that Vlade Divac is on board with the system as much as he and Vivek are on board with allowing George to be George and do his thing. Agreed. And so and so I, I want to make that distinction because I don't think Divots or Vivek like what they see, but at the same time, Vivek has been called the meddlesome owner for the last two years. He can't get away from it. Everyone just wants to harp on him all day long. And I think what he's trying to do is take a hands-off approach and let a NBA legend coach his team the way he wants to coach his team. Now, that's not going to last very much longer. What you said, like, there's got to be a coming to Jesus talk here anytime because this is not working at all whatsoever. And again, the one thing that stood out that I think George made a huge, huge error in judgment last night when he said, well, on, on Wednesday night, when he said that he thinks he has too many offensive players and not enough defensive players. And to be honest with you, he doesn't have, you know, Serge Ibaka sitting on that on that bench. But the, the players he does have are defensive players. And he doesn't want to play them because they're not offensive players and he only wants offense. So that, to me, was the thing that stood out and said, Yeesh, y- y- you don't want to anger Vlade because I don't think Vlade put together a poor team here. I, I no. still don't think that. No, not at all. And that's been a primary criticism that you're seeing across the internet um, with national writers that know George very well, is he doesn't have the right to blast this team for its defense. And he really doesn't have the right to blast this team at all because – Every scout I talk to, every person from a front office, every person connected to the NBA that I talk with, the first thing out of their mouth is what is George doing with DeMarcus Cousins? Why is he playing on the perimeter? Why, when you have a Philadelphia 76ers team that doesn't have a player that weighs more than 220 pounds or you know whatever Nerlens Noel weighs yeah. down there in the post, why is it so difficult to get the ball into the post and why are you running this chaotic offense and really why have you given the car keys to Rajon Rondo what has he done in the last year or two to deserve this carte blanche with the offense and folks that have watched this this from a critical perspective from afar saying well yeah he gets you know say he has a 15 assist game and he gets eight rebounds but what other plays what 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 are the rest of the good plays you know what what else is he doing to push this team forward in a positive direction. 
And that's before you get to the DeMarcus Cousins stuff. The impact that he has on DeMarcus Cousins, because the, the, the parts where DeMarcus struggles are arguing with referees, not knowing what a foul is, uh, effort, um, gambling on defense, um, trying to do too much at the wrong time. Yep. These are all things Rajon Rondo does every game. So yep. if, you, if you're brought in <laughs> That's to... That's a solid point. I mean, if you're brought in to be the mentor, and I, I one of the the, uh, the readers or probably the listeners more or less called me out. I was like, hey, you said Rajon Rondo was a good pickup. And I, and I did. I said, you know, if he's going to be the guy that keeps DeMarcus Cousins happy, then I don't care what you paid for him. And as long as he's playing at a minimum. I just... The impact that Rondo has had on this team to to help along with George Carl's system to spin it in this crazy direction was one of the reasons I thought Rajon Rondo would be better coming off the bench in a limited role because he's incapable of of turning the car keys over to his team. So every time you get in the half court, you're going to get Rajon Rondo in some crazy concocted pick and roll that doesn't make a lot of sense. And he'll either over dribble, over penetrate, and occasionally he'll have the good play. And yes, he will rack up assists because the ball is in his hands so much. I, uh, you know what, I have a tough time beating down on Rondo because I think Rondo is on the list of things that are wrong with the Sacramento Kings. I don't think he's even in the top five. To be honest with you, I, I we've been harping on this the entire year. But this defensive scheme is is hooey. It, it does not work. No one in the league believes that it works. And if you have any questions about whether or not it works, the Philadelphia 76ers averaged 92 points per game and they dropped 110 on you. That tells you that something's not working. And if they want to say, well, the, they're not playing hard enough, they're not playing with defensive pride, it, maybe that's not it. Because I do see a lack of effort sometimes, but it's not like what I'm watching all day long. It's not like this team is just going through the motions. They just can't get stops when they need them. And they just can't get a rebound when they need them. And they can't get a rebound when they need them because they are so far out of position. Their players are playing so far away from their strengths that it doesn't even make any sense. I watched a play against Philadelphia where Cousins literally jumped up and stole a rebound from Rajon Rondo instead of handing it to Rondo because they were standing right next to each other at the the three-point line heading the opposite way. He just starts dribbling and just kind of shuns him. (laughs) And then two seconds later, he turns the ball over. And it's just, but that's not the only time that it happens. Because the the, the plan is to run. And the Kings, the, the crazy thing about the Kings is it's like a, cyclical snowballing effect is the only way they can score is by running. They're terrible in the half court. They have a terrible half court, probably the worst executed half court offense in the league. You know how I know it's because Philly came into town and they looked twice as good. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, Carl even said, he said to start, he said, I don't know what happened. I, I told my team today we're 30 games in how come all of a sudden you're reluctant to run? I, I feel like this is, to me, it's kind of blatantly obvious where you have the team has not bought what he's selling. They don't, I, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins almost has to come out and say it. I feel like I don't want to play on the perimeter. I want to play in the post. And if the, if the offense, this team has no swag. Like there, when you're pulling the ball out of your own hoop constantly and you never get the ball offensively, except in a position where Rajon Rondo wants you to get the ball and it's not a good spot. Like I want listeners to count how many times a pass is made to a player where they are put into a position of you have to shoot this or either the shot clock runs out or you're going to fall out of bounds or you've got a kind of good look, but it's not great. So you haven't shot in a while, so you're going to take it. Count those plays in a game. There's probably about eight to 10 of them. And those are as good as turnovers. When you're on offense and you're Rudy Gay and you don't get the ball except in an isolation set 
against a defender that's probably quicker than you. You get frustrated when you're DeMarcus Cousins and you're wildly flailing towards the hoop because the Kings need a basket and you're, you're the man. You're, you're the guy with the bullseye on your back. You've got to be the guy to make the bucket. And you flail the hoop, you miss it, you get frustrated. And when you don't score or when it's hard to score or when everything, every little thing you do is just so hard because the system has made it that way, you get frustrated. And this team is not a team that's known for their mental strength. They gave up under Ty Corbin. Yes. And that's the thing with this defense is you can point to the defensive numbers all day long. They're terrible. They're the worst in the league. But defense is also about mojo. And if it's not working in the locker room, and if it's not working on the offensive end, you can address those things. And my guess is if, if you were to put in a system that was built on post play and you were to play through DeMarcus Cousins, the defense would improve by 10 to 15 ranks just because they would be doing better offensively. They would be winning more games. Other teams would feel more pressure. The whole mojo would flip. We're talking about basketball karma. The whole thing flips. But I, 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 your point about Vlade and Vivek wanting to let Carl coach this team almost as a counterweight to DeMarcus Cousins, you know, power perceived or otherwise within the organization they're, they're letting him do it. But the problem is, is this experiment has failed and it's time to make a huge change. And it was obvious 20 games ago. So where, where, where now I, I'm fine if you let it play out 20 games and now you're, now you're into that 30 game range. You know, I brought this up in my, my rewind, my rewind that went up uh, this morning. The biggest, the, the thing that, that is, hurting this team i i think is the fact that no matter how dysfunctional and how ridiculous and how just chaotic and and outlandish this team is there's still only two games out of the playoffs so it's almost like a drunk driver saying well you know what i made it home and they just keep doing it and i mean oh, you know what i still make it home every time and it's like you only make it home. The one time that you don't make it home is the time that you don't make it home. But they just keep like the excuses. Well, we'll figure it out. You know, we're just right there still. It's like you're right there because everyone else is so bad. You're 12 and 20. Uh, you know, uh, a really awkward situation happened last night in the locker room. First of all, we wait like an hour to get Rondo. Uh, he goes and he gets a massage before talking to the media. If that tells anybody, you know, how... You have to be vigilant. You basically have to like crawl into like the giant tub of, of dirty socks and just take a nap and wait for <laughs> you know wait for Rondo to come out. Anyway, he does finally come out, and we're sitting there, and he's giving us short answers. He starts to warm up a little bit. He he starts going a little bit, and that's what you have to kind of you have to wait him out, not just like for him to come out, but you have to wait him out um, for his question and answer as well. He he's very. He's very uh, like slow to to like get into the conversation, and about halfway through, John Dickinson from uh, ninety five seven, the game down in the Bay Area, he decided to to say, you know, do you think it's at this point you guys need to stop talking about playoffs? You're a twelve and twenty team, and things have completely spun out of control. Do you think it's time that you guys just? focus on the games in front of you and rondo looked at him like no you're like what are you talking about and he goes you don't think it's time to to like really just look at yourselves and and try to get this team like maybe like within a couple of games of 500 before you even start talking about the possibility of playoffs and rondo's like do you watch the game of basketball i saw that it was awkward. It was an awkward moment. Do you watch like do you watch basketball? And John's like, yeah, I watch a lot of basketball. And it was like, I watch a lot of bad basketball. All right, next question. <laughs> next question. Rondo wasn't gonna have it. They don't want to look away from the prize, and they don't want to do what it takes to obtain the prize. They're right. in this this perpetual state of of confusion and chaos. And I mean, we haven't even talked about what happened on Monday night. We haven't oh, yeah. even got I to that point yet. Well, I mean, the, the, when I hear the stuff about like 
you know, we look, we overlooked a team. I feel like that's a way of, of kind of, um, this isn't the correct term. I always misuse this term demurring. Um, the, they're, they're passing the buck when they answer it that way. They're giving credit to the other team and almost, um, maybe minimizing yes. their, their own, uh, you know, the other team played well. We overlooked them. They're a better team than we thought they were. And we're also this team that can't overlook teams. Yeah. None of that stuff, I think. I think that they know that they are frustrated. Like, internally, I think they're frustrated as all get out with DeMarcus Cousins not playing hard. And I think that otherwise, they're all searching for ways that this can work. Um, but who's going to tell Rondo to stop dribbling? You know, here's some numbers for you. Offensive ratings, they're almost all identical. Rajon Rondo, 102. Rudy Gay, 102. DeMarcus Cousins, 101. Ben McLemore, 100. So this is basically your starting lineup here. Uh, Omri Caspi, 108. Darren Collison, 109. Costa Kufos, 113. Hi, yi, yi. So Those are offensive ratings? He's a 113? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this this is you'd think that, you know, they would struggle with less talent on the floor, but that group is not playing well. So it's interesting because what you basically just pointed out there is that the starting group is averaging about 102 offensive rating and the reserves are about 108 to 110. And the guy that's in the middle who plays both as a starter and off the bench all the time, Omri Caspi, is is literally like smack He's down. Yeah, it's, it's he's it's, even Steven. He's the dude who does who plays with everybody. So I mean, the the thing about this is the the offensive starters within the offensive system they do not work. And so I think George has to look at everything. I think he has to look at putting Darren Collison in the starting lineup. I think he has to look at bringing Rajon Rondo off the bench for like 28 minutes a game so he doesn't get too upset with it until he learns how to play controlled basketball. And then George, if he, if he can scrap this, the, this spread system with DeMarcus Cousins on the floor, I mean, you can, you can have elements of the system you know, in your system, but... It, it, when DeMarcus is standing outside the three-point line, nothing good ever happens. <laughs> it's it's always bad. I and guess the I guess the counterpoint that I would bring up that you're going to hear from Rondo, if you were to ask Rondo this exact question, is I won a championship in Boston doing the same thing, and not only but did, did he? but he had four, well, he had three Hall of Fame players with him. And he still did the same ball-dominant thing, and it worked. But that was, what, eight years ago. It, it's not the same NBA, and that's – I think that's part of the problem. It's not the same game. It, and I just – you know, I, I keep harping back. It, I, I want to believe that, that the offensive system could actually work under certain situations. I think the half-court sets are, are like what you've said. They, they just aren't working, but – but the whole up-tempo and everything else, I think most of that works. I just come back to the fact that I think it, I really do believe that it's scheme on the defensive side. And the players look at this and keep saying, well, it's this both. isn't working. It's it, not it, working, and you keep making us do this, and it's not working. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to say. And not only that, but, you know, what George's point, like, oh, I have too many offensive players. You know what, then? You know, Marco Bellinelli had a great night on Wednesday night. That's one of, like, two good nights that he's had the entire season. And he gives you nothing on the defensive end. And Ben McLemore is giving you something on the defensive end. He's at least trying on every single possession. Fact is, he doesn't hit his open jumpers sometimes. So he's on the bench, and Bellinelli's playing major minutes. And it's like, you really, you can't say that I don't have the defensive players when you don't actually play the defensive player. If you if you want defensive players, then give Quincy AC 15 minutes a night. Give James Anderson 10, 15 minutes a night if you want defensive players. But what you want is an eight-man rotation of offensive players flying all over the court. And the one guy that who who doesn't do that is Ben McLemore, and you set him more than you, you play him. Yeah, and it's systemically on defense. I mean, so if you don't have effort and your system is constantly shading players to these these zones where where teams want to make other teams shoot, you know, in right inside the two point line, they want to ice it to the sideline. 
you can't have your players on the weak side, on the off-ball side, sucking into the paint so much to where the Kings are an automatic corner three. All you have to do is, and Rajon Rondo did this the other night yep. or, or, or last night, is he's literally giving them the baseline and there's nobody there. There's nobody there to help. It's and 40% white... three-point percentage, the league-wide. League-wide from the corner three. Just it's a money shot. It is, it is the best shot in the NBA because 40%, it's worth three points. That means 1.2 points per possession. It is the best shot in basketball. It's, a, it's kind of a mixture of so many. You said that Rajon Rondo is not a top five thing. I happen to think he's in that top five, but it's it starts at the top, and it starts with the organization either has to say, we're going to live and die by this system offensively and, and even defensively. I don't think that's what they should do, but then it trickles down to George. Is he going to be willing to change his ways? Because you don't coach to personnel you don't have. And that's, I think, the thing that people around the league are saying is, we know you're an up-tempo coach. You can have elements of an up-tempo game. Run. You guys do a pretty good job of running when things are going well. But you have a 300-pound big man that literally draws a triple team every time he gets the ball. Anywhere near the post. There's times where he catches the ball and he might be you know, in a bad post position. But mm-hmm. the defense still reacts. There's times when he fumbles the ball out of the post. And I think there was a it was like a fumble assist he had to Omri Caspi in the corner. Like there's just so much defensive attention he attracts. You know, why are you not doing so? It starts at the top with Carl. And then I think as a way out of this for the Kings and and for Kings fans, if you know anything to root for, you're just hoping that that they can make positive progress, you know, And, and also if you make these changes, you say, okay, this is the last thing we can do. You know, we've given you guys as players everything that you want. We, you want to slow it down? We've slowed it down. We want to get it to the post? We've, we're getting it to the post. I, as a coach, have changed. And now if there's any doubt, you know, that's on them. And then I think as an organization, if you want to talk about trading DeMarcus Cousins, you can do that because you've exhausted all of the, the available options to keeping him. Yeah, and, and it, th- that is such the difficult dilemma. I mean, we could hold an entire podcast on should you trade Marcus Cousins or should you not. Um, I was very clear. I, I mean, again, I I have a difficult time with that question because I don't think you're ever going to get value for him, and it's such a difficult thing to to take a an all star. You know, really, he he can be beyond an all star. He's not an all star this year. I and I I actually don't believe he will be an all star this year. And then. Man, the wheels are going to come off. Uh, that's people should know that 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 there's a good chance he's not an All Star this year. There's just too much going on for him to make the All Star team. Um, but uh, when I watch what I watched on Monday night, and I was in the studio on Monday night, I I was on my way down to the game to go cover the game uh, in Oakland at Oracle, and I got I got a call said, hey, Bobby Jackson jacked his back up he has to go in for an mri we need you to come in studio and i'm like all right that's no big deal you know i i've been doing the the pre and post for i don't know like 80 percent of the games anyways uh, on the road so i watched the game and it's really fun because when you're watching the game the warrior especially against the warriors all the warriors commentators are in the green room too so you i was watching the game with uh with Gary St. Jean, who's the funniest and nicest guy of all time. He, <laughs> he literally is yelling at the TV the entire game. I mean, I've, I've never sat and watched a game with someone where someone is screaming at the TV the entire game and just laughing and having a great time. You know, he's just red in the face like he always is, just like crazy and having a great time. Anyway, um, I'm watching that game, and I couldn't be more disappointed with a player. And I, I hope that that came across in the post game, but I watched a gritty, crazy team go toe to toe with the best team in the NBA and fight and fight and fight because their two stars picked up three fouls in the first quarter and come out of halftime with a three point lead. It was a two point lead, three point lead. You guys and- were jolly on set. 
It was like funniest at, thing. At halftime? Yeah. You guys were beaming at halftime. Well, like, it was fun. <laughs> uh, you had to beam though because it was because it, it was, was fun. The greatest three minutes of basketball that you've seen in in, in a decade. Watching Omri Caspi and uh, Steph Curry go back and forth. They scored for their two teams combined. They scored twenty nine consecutive points over like a three and a half minute stretch. That's how big it, it was. Like the most incredible display. There was one point where Caspi hit a three. Like three seconds later, Curry hit a three. They flung the ball down to Caspi, who was standing at the three. And in eight seconds, three three pointers, two by Caspi and one by Curry, went down. It was the most bizarre and wild and fun thing to watch. And again, sitting there with Gary St. Jean, I mean, it was almost like he was ready to like shake me and kiss me. And, you know, like it was like Happy New Year's. It was wild to watch that unfold. And so you go into the second half and you're like, okay, the Kings didn't have their their starters. They, I mean, again, Rondo and Cousins. Cousins picked up a foul like seven seconds into that game. And by like the the 24 second mark of the first quarter, Rondo had two fouls. Like the rest were pretty clear about how they were going to call that game early on. Anyway, but I'm watching and, and the Kings are going back and forth and they're fighting and I'm thinking, man, this is a gritty performance. And then it's almost like someone's not getting enough attention. And, you know, they can't have it where this game is too much fun and they're not involved. And so Cousins, of course, and the first, but, the, the foul was bad. Cousins made the foul. But, but I'll also point out the Ben McLemore fouled Steph Curry before Cousins fouled him. And that whole situation was weird. But to watch Cousins melt down, and really what he did is he took like a happy, fun, momentum, just crazy, who cares if we win or lose, let's just have a great time and let's go at these guys. He took that and he took it from his teammates and he flushed it down the toilet and he said, look, that's not okay. You can't have fun without me. I'm going to go take my ball and go home. And to me, that was just so disrespectful. And I mean, that's why I went off on the podcast, on the, on the telecast and I... And I feel like it was the right thing to do. I don't think that that's okay. No, it's not Ever. okay. I mean, it, the Warriors won a 15-0 run right then. No, it's not okay. And I think, you know, I said it as well on Twitter. It's, it's whatever he gets for that, he deserves. Because um, it's terrible. And it's But again, terrible. you know, it's what's interesting about that whole thing is they looked terrible when Rondo and Cousins were on the court. And then you bring in these other players with the higher offensive ratings that we've been talking about. And Omri Caspi gets red hot beyond all belief which by the way was fool's gold a lot of those were terrible shots (laughs) and that is a it's an indictment of the system because even the second he leads the nba in three-point shooting he well some of those were from (laughs) freaking berkeley i mean it was great he he told me just so you know he told me in the locker room last night he said (laughs) it doesn't matter how deep i am he's i know i saw (laughs) no but like i I talked to him before at the game he said if it's between 23 and like 28 feet the depth doesn't matter to me. It's the angle that matters to me. I can't hit from the corners. It's the angle that means more than the depth. But go and ahead. That, that makes sense, and that's something to remember, actually, if he actually has success from you know a few feet beyond the line, that it doesn't. it's not maybe not as bad of a shot as it looked like last night, for instance. Uh-huh. Um, you're getting kind of used to it when Omri takes a three that it's not quite as bad of a shot as it um, might appear because a lot of them are contested. But, yeah, you know... Going back to that game, Cousins gets in there in the second half and standing out there beyond the three-point line, he had to feel out a couple outside shots and he missed those. And then he, I think he had like one flailing drive to the hoop. But he's just, it's, he's a guy, he's so, he, he tipped his hand on how mad he is with this situation because you don't get that mad and ruin that that's that game that situation for your teammates at the end of the day you still have to hang out with your friends and yeah i mean he ruined that chance for them to to go into oracle and maybe get a win from the best team in basketball and that's how angry he is he can't control his outbursts and one little ticky tack foul was able to take that away from his teammates and i think that's the story of right now is George Carl has not even come close to reaching him and he needs success. Like that's like a prerequisite for him. He can't be in a struggle zone. And that's why I think it's 
grossly negligent to sit here and say, we're going to experiment. DeMarcus Cousins has like XYZ talents from outside of, say, 14 feet. You know, he could do this. He could do that. But he's not great at it. He's not a really good decision maker out there. He's not running the spread system the way that somebody else like, say, I don't know, pick a center that's not that great offensively but stands in the right spots. He's not that guy. And so to put it on him to have to like basically revolutionize offensive basketball, you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy who can just go run down to the block and just turn and get fouled or just turn and, and hit 55% of his shots. Yeah, I think that's it's, what Philadelphia did, right? He had 20 free throw attempts. Yeah, and it's just an unnecessary gamble at this point. And you're just adding a lot. You know, you can't exonerate DeMarcus Cousins for what he's doing because there's no excuses for it. But if you're if you're interested in the success of the Sacramento Kings, you need to to make a decision. Am I going to go this this way? And maybe yes, it, in a perfect scenario, it would be the best possible thing. Or are we going to go to this guy's comfort zone? Get him 25 and 12 every night. Get him into a rhythm. Get him into the All Star game. Get the opposing team into foul trouble. Open it up for guys like Rudy Gay. Because frankly, Rudy Gay is going to have a really tough year if he's asked to beat guys off the dribble. So it's just too much pressure to put on a guy who has very little uh, margin for error and a team that has practically no margin for error. Yeah, and the thing I'll point out too is this is exactly what a lot of basketball experts said when George Carl was brought in. He will never work with DeMarcus Cousins, and not because the personalities will clash because that's a whole separate issue. It was that George, it just, he can't have a big man like this. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work because it's too much running. It's not enough post play. It's not enough of the things that make DeMarcus Cousins. The things that DeMarcus Cousins does great, and the things that George Carl wants from the, his center are diametrically opposed. And, and, and I'll throw one more thing. Where I get queasy about trading DeMarcus Cousins is George Carl is here. Because Pete D'Alessandro pushed and pushed and pushed to get him here. It wasn't Vivek Ranadive who pushed and pushed and pushed. At, at the end of the day, Vivek Ranadive was sold a bill of goods that Ty Corbin could be a better coach and that they could look at a coach in the offseason. But all along, Pete D'Alessandro was pushing for George Carl, along with an influential group of minority owners. But Pete D'Alessandro set this into motion, and the, the idea that a leftover from from his administration would essentially be the domino that pushes DeMarcus Cousins out the door. That's something I, I for me, if I'm if I'm a franchise owner and I'm looking at franchise players, I'm sitting here saying to myself, well, you know, George, he, he's got to bend to the will of this particular player on issues of where do I stand on the offensive side of the floor? Everything else is probably fair game, but at least on that one little thing or one big thing, I think George has to acquiesce. Yeah, what do you do though? I mean, you can't just It's simple. When when you're not running, you just slow it down and you put him in the post. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it is that simple because I don't think George Carl has that in his in his book of tricks. I mean, could George Carl go um, does he know how to run like the pick and roll, the basics of offense? Uh, yes. But he's just never going to, to well, it, give it means up. interrupting so, the flow system because it means with the flow system, you're looking for the first available good shot. And that's the another flow system problem. isn't working. It's, it's not working. I, it, it's not working to it's not working 100 percent of the time. And and that's I, I think that's where we're still at. It's just that. And I don't think you can run a flow system with a guy like Rajon Rondo. I think you can with a guy like Darren Carlson, who's. You know, it's not there for me. I'm going to pass it over here. And then, you know, Omri, I'm going to take it. I'm going to pass it over here. Ben, I'm going to take it. I'm going to pass it over here. With Rondo, there's no flow to it. So you get these pick and rolls that are not ideal with, you know, players that are defensive, uh, players that are going under every time. I mean, the only pick and roll option that Rondo really has is an all-out charge to the hoop. And this is why you see so many dump-off passes between guys' legs you know, these little, not pocket passes, but, you know, yeah. right, right-handed right drop-off passes that hit Costa Kufos's shins. He's done, tough. That. He's done that way too many times. There's, it's just tough. And, 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 you know, for Rondo, he needs, a, he needs optimum spacing, and he needs almost, 
it's almost like he needs a different system. Yeah. A over, more pick and roll based. Over the last uh, three games, the three losses, I think Rondo has 24 turnovers. I mean, and what's going to be crazy is that if you look at his assist numbers, his assist numbers almost like make it worthwhile. I mean, that's like statistically speaking, you look and you're like, huh, but at least he had this many assists. And that's just, you know, it's, it's broken. They have to figure it out. They have to figure it out quickly. I don't think, again, like, I agree with some of what Carl said, uh, but, you know, you know, we're, uh, well, let's see, too many times we've come out on this court and have been the quiet team or the soft team or the cool team and not the man team. <laughs> and you know what? He's got a point, and that's the thing about this. It's a chicken and an egg. It is. He, He's got a point, but at the same time, it's his. Uh, some of it, he, I think, he, is his fault. And it's he like, has to blink. It's not on. It's like he has to remove all doubt. Like he has to say, "All right, guys, we're gonna do it your way," because clearly you're not. They're not gonna do it his way. I don't like George can if he doesn't I change. Right. I think if he right. doesn't. In fact, let's talk predictions here. Unless they change tomorrow, my 47 wins are way off the table. If they don't change at all this season, I don't think they'll win 30 games. That's tough. I don't know. I I just – talent prevails somehow most of the time. And even though they have played horribly over the last three games, two of those games they lost by, I think, five points, and they shouldn't have lost. And you just look at this team and say, how could – Really, you look at this team and you say, how could you do this? How could you allow pettiness and infighting and lack of focus and lack of heart? And I mean, George said lack of guts. You know, how could you let that get in the way of a successful season? I, that's one thing I can't get my head around. Like, I, I don't get to go to work and be bad at what I do. I don't get to do that. And just like, and not because I'm bad at what I do, but because I don't want to do it the way someone else wants to do it. If that's the way I manage what I do, then they look for someone else. And that's just like, I'm really, really frustrated. And and I'm not saying that about the players. I'm saying that about both sides. Because I, I think this is, there has to, like these these meetings, these whatever, you know, between George and Rondo and, and and cousins and you know the meetings between rondo and cousins and gay and like look just just figure it out this isn't a talent issue i'm telling you it's not at the offensive defensive player thing maybe you got more guys that care more about offense but i guarantee you that is like 97 percent of the nba players they care more about offense than they do defense it takes it takes a different breed to go out there and be a great defender and I mean, even once players get a taste for being a good offensive player, they stop. They stop playing defense. I I think I remember Matt Harpering said, um, you know, I was just a gritty defensive player and I did all of these things and I was so important to the team and I couldn't get anywhere in negotiations. So I decided to go out and average 18 points a game. And as soon as I did that, I got paid. Yep. He's like, that's that's the league we live in is that you have to you have to do that so you have to just put it out there and uh it's really it's it's shocking it's shocking aaron i I did not think we would be where we are today the road the road to 33 (laughs) i i did not think that we would be looking at it and saying i can't believe there's a possibility they won't get to 33 wins and I, that's where we're at. Right? I mean, you drop three in a row to two really bad teams, and oh, and Phoenix is coming into town. They're a train wreck. If if they lose to Phoenix, it's going to be almost as bad as losing to Philly, because Phoenix is literally imploding as we speak. They are. Uh, it, this might be two dumpster fires flying down opposing. There's only hills. one dumpster fire picture on the internet, though. Well, but can we get can someone do two dumpster fires f- flying down two hills coming right towards each other? I mean, Ooh, that's a good one. That might be where we are right now. And, and I hate saying that because I I like these guys. I actually, you know, this is an interesting team. Um, I don't think that there is room for lots of change unless it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just traded Demarcus Cousins. I don't. Outside of that, I don't think there's like 
little deals on the table to make this team better. That's just not going to happen. I don't think that the return of Willie Cauley-Stein, which is probably about a week away for those of you who are asking, um, he is dribbling and doing a bunch of other stuff now. Um, I, I don't think that changes the trajectory of this team. I don't. I don't think any of those things. I, this is maybe letting go of George Carl and starting fresh with yet another coach could relieve some of the pressure that's building between these two sides but again that's a lot of money to spend i mean and i know your thoughts on scotty brooks but i mean if you just if you just handed this team to scotty brooks right now just to have a different face in front of it no, you, Aaron, can't, you can't do that I mean, he's, a ni- he's a nice guy but his offensive systems are not as good as george carl's right now just yeah but put, i'm just telling you Aaron. that they that would, bluntly they would make the playoffs well that's the thing i think there's as anybody that is not george is going to have a better chance if george doesn't make the changes that he needs to make so I keep saying that dude the, the we've been or- saying that for too long aaron bruski the 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 owner or the the order of operations would be make the changes then if that's not happening and you know say DeMarcus Cousins is playing nice then i think you look at you know new coaches cuz it's a lot of money to spend and it's not sending a great message or um, you know around the league yeah um it's a messy like last ditch solution um and then but if you do change the system and you know, George is in a position where it's like, well, I have done everything, you know, that I can possibly do. And he's got to stop blowing his players up in the press. That's, you know, yeah. that he doesn't have that right because he's not owning what 99 percent of professional basketball watchers, you know, in whatever capacity they're in. They know that this system is not good. And so if he doesn't come out and say, I've made this mistake and then also these guys aren't trying he's not being true to the situation right now. He thinks that his, that his players have, have abandoned his system and that his system would work if they would just do it the right way. But that's not the case. So, you know, so what we're the, saying, Aaron, fix it, fix it. Well, just, yeah, just fix it. I guess I'll save my, my spiel on that for final thoughts, which we should probably get to final thoughts. Yeah. We got to get, we got to get moving here. Uh, we got a lot, a lot of, of other things going on, including New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Um, okay, let's see. The Sacramento Kings are back at it on Saturday night. They face off against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I will say this before I get to Aaron's final thoughts. I am not calling for the firing of George Carl. Uh, that is not my place, and I don't know if that would help anything. I'm not calling for a massive trade. I'm not saying get rid of DeMarcus Cousins. Am I disappointed with what happened on on Monday night? I am I am disappointed on what happened on Monday night. I think that that was one person being bigger than their team, and I've never, ever would – that's just not me. Um, but I'm not calling for any of those things. I, I think that this team still has I, – I hate saying this. They still have a shot to somehow get it together and to move forward and that's kind of where I, I i look at it like every when they lose to philadelphia i'm walking out of the building just like everyone else going how, how did that just happen how did that just happen i don't understand i don't i would have bet my house on it that it was going to happen jeremy grant i i don't understand how jeremy grant finishes the game with 18 points 10 rebounds and five blocks i don't and i'm not saying he's horrible i'm just saying i don't get it i don't understand i mean is he like, is there any difference between him and Quincy AC? I just so that's where I'm at. So, Aaron, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna hand it to you. What are your final thoughts for today? My final thoughts are I'm with you on. I don't think they should fire Carl, and I don't think they should trade Cousins. I think that everybody should get in a room and get real. Um, my my final thoughts though are, you know, I spent three plus years covering this team um, electively. I uh, didn't get a dollar to cover them. I didn't even get a budget to cover them. So anytime I traveled. Um, you know, yada, 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 whatever I had to do to cover the team. Um, that The reason why I did that was because I saw a fan base that was unique and uh, special, really, because there's not a lot of one-sport towns uh, across the uh, United States, and spe- specifically not towns where they put forth this level of effort to keep their team that just went 
on and on and on. And, and I could list the name of people that I covered that fought to try to keep this team in Sacramento. And it's a it's a civic event that you just don't see. And that's what compelled me to take thousands of hours and cover that story because I felt like it was important and necessary. It is a disservice to all of those people to let this go on for even one more second. So if you're in, in the Kings organization, you're listening to this right now, take a good hard look in the mirror and get it fixed. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aaron. I love All it. right. So we will be back next week. I, I'm sure that we possibly could have more to talk about. I, I don't know this thing. Uh, you know, maybe it just hops right back on the rails and we don't even miss a beat and just go, huh? All right. Well, uh, we don't even remember what happened last week. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but. But stranger things have happened because that's exactly what happens with this team all the time. Stranger things happen, stranger than fiction. All right, so that is going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. He is Aaron Bruski. Thanks for tuning in. Like us on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Uh, be good. Be safe. Have a good new year. We'll see you next week.